The Awakened Project is a work of fiction and is narrated and created by J.A. LaRock. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, and Google Play, as well as anywhere where podcasts are found. And now, Chapter 15, Late Stage Happiness. Dr. Brunel once asked me to explain to her the difference between a delusion and true happiness. I told her you could feel it, deep down, all the way to your core. Her response was that accepting that true happiness can come to an end is how you know that it is real. Even after I left Dr. Brunelli's care, I often thought about her sessions and everything she had taught me. In a way, she was not just helping me accept happiness, but preparing me for sorrow as well. Sadness was, for the first time in my life, a commodity that was in short supply. With much of the world rebuilt after the invasion, the global government took steps to ensure that another war or invasion would never happen again. I had a role to play in their plans, and Sarah and I were happy to help. Over the next year, Lola and my wife completed their work on their Awaken project. The government created a database containing the DNA of every living human on the planet. With the help of Randall Cyrus, a computer system was created to scan the DNA for any signs of life energy in any stage. The final result was that no other alien or awakened life energy was found. This was applied to me as well. My abilities were gone and my life energy had returned to a dormant state. Personally, I was relieved of this. Though the study of life energy was allowed to continue, the government restricted the access and passed a law to never allow the artificial awakening of human life energy. There was no real protest about this as the people did not want to deal with the possibility of super soldiers or everyday humans with superhuman abilities. The final casualty count was over 48% of the world's population. Sadly, the extreme loss of life provided an opportunity for the government. The Global Protection Initiative began in the fourth year after I awoke. There were remnants of the Federation and the Key that used the invasion to combine their forces. After the alien base ship was destroyed, a group calling themselves the Exiled attacked the Global Command Building in New Chicago. It was at that battle that Jonathan Cain gave his life defending the president and putting an end to the exile before it began. Once the GPI began, they were sent around the planet to eliminate the final members of the Federation and the Key. Naomi Shaw was to be the last to be found, and rather than be captured, she detonated a device killing herself and 20 soldiers that had surrounded her. With the last organized threat to peace gone, the global government focused on rebuilding and selected key areas to rebuild cities while others were converted for resource processing. By the fifth year since I awoke, my role with the military and the government had come to an end. Sarah and I moved back to New Chicago and planned to start a new family. 
but my status as a hero continued to get into the way. One thing Dr. Brunelli could not completely help me with was my relationship with Sarah. To her, I was a man who had always been by her side through hell and high water. At the time when I awoke, she was nothing more than a delusion or a dream caused by either my mind or external means. It was one thing to learn over the years to accept my life and its history, but it is another to give to her the love that I knew that she deserved. Initially, I felt as if I was betraying Clara every time I would even look at Sarah, but as I continued my treatment with Dr. Brunelli, I had to accept that Clara was not real and had never been real. Even though I had never once had a dream of her, I could still feel her pre presence in my mind. It was as if an imprint was left by her to remind me that she was real. Lola told me one night as I recovered in the hospital that perhaps I created a substitute Sarah and to me she was real. There were similarities but for the most part Sarah was truly more attuned to my personality than Clara ever was. For many months after I awoke, just considering that caused the pain in the pit of my stomach. Often during my recovery, I would wake up calling Clara's name or thinking about her when Sarah visited. She took it in stride, never letting me know that it hurt her, but I knew it did and it killed me inside that I was doing that to her. As I came to accept the reality I had awoken to, Dr. Brunelli suggested that Sarah and I begin dating. I was placed at the Twin Drake Towers overlooking Lake Daly. Dr. Brunelli wanted me to live alone, and because of my status and needed care, the entire floor was mine, and Sarah lived one floor below. She wanted to do this so I could rebuild what I had with Sarah, and as the days and weeks went by, that's what we did. Sarah and I went on our first date six months after I awoke. We had dinner at an upscale restaurant on the lakefront. I was actually nervous sitting across from her looking into her eyes. Our conversation focused on her history and what she had done. As we talked, it felt as if I could remember our times together. We continued going on dates and as time passed, I began to feel as if Clara was the only woman I had ever known. Before we began assisting the government in the wrap-up, Sarah and I moved in together. We had waited on being intimate because Sarah felt that it may be too much for me. When we finally made love, there were no other thoughts in my head besides the love that I felt for her. Dr. Brunelli felt that I had been making great progress, but soon I learned it would not be that easy. When I awoke one night in my bed, I felt as if everything around me was wrong. I had not dreamt anything that night, at least not a dream that I remembered. What I did feel when I awoke was that I did not belong there. Everything around me felt foreign, and even Sarah's arm draped across my chest. I was in a panic, sweating and breathing heavily. I knew where I was and even felt the need to reach out to Dr. Brunelli, but everything else felt strange. Dr. Brunelli helped bring me down, but it would be several more months before I felt normal again. By then, Sarah and I were busy assisting the global government, and so we decided to focus on our work, and that made it easier for me to heal. It was during that time I realized I wanted her, and I believed that was the key. When I first awoke, it was Sarah who wanted nothing more than to have me back. 
while I was just going through the motions of what I believed I needed to do to get better. Working side by side with Sarah months on end made me realize that I wanted her now, and so I pursued her. I did not know at the time that Dr. Brunelli had asked Sarah not to give in to me so quickly, and in a sense, make me court her. Her reasoning was that if I had to work for it, then I would know it would be real, and it would be fully my decision. She was right. I came to realize that Sarah was the only love of my life, and though we were already married, I wanted to do it all over again. When the government no longer needed our assistance, that is exactly what we did. I never wanted to be a celebrity. My goal in life was to help people, keep them safe and away from pain. Adoration was never something I was looking for. I knew what I was doing was right and no praise or compliments were ever necessary. However, being known as the savior of humanity, I had no choice but to accept that I would be a symbol and as time went on, my celebrity status did not diminish. When I spoke to Sarah about remarrying her, we hoped it would be a small private gathering, but that would not be the case. By then, I had been assigned a manager. Anna Deering was in charge of everything relating to my life, well, my public life. Between her and her assistant Angelica, they handled most of my public affairs. Tried as they did, the word got out on the wedding, and it hit the network in a flash, and it was pretty much demanded that it become a spectacle. I remember one night lying in bed with Sarah looking out across the night sky. I asked her if we could just run away together. She smiled, noting that there was not a place in the world that I could not be found or noticed. I laughed, but inside, I wished that was not her response. There is always a bad side to fame and reading tabloid articles about my wife and my friends sometimes made me wish I could just disappear. Regardless of how I felt, I knew my presence and actions were important. Having weekly chats with the president reminded me that no matter how much I wanted to withdraw, I had to live up to a certain image and give the people what they wanted. While I did not want to give in regarding the wedding, in the end, I had no choice. It did go better than I ever could have expected. Sarah and I were remarried on a glass hover platform high above Lake De Daly, overlooking Lincoln Park East. Tens of thousands were in attendance with millions more watching over the network. The platform was specifically created using technology from the aliens and allowed us the feeling of a small ceremony. The platform held our closest friends and when Sarah and I turned and looked out across the lake, we felt as if we were all alone. It was perfect. It was after that day that I began to embrace my status. Sarah and I spent the next year traveling the world doing anything our hearts desired. I began to live up to my stature and made sure everything was perfect for us. It felt good to have that power, to be able to want something and then have it done. There was still something, however, that I did not have. And finally, after seven years together, I felt it was finally time. She did not notice me staring at her. Sarah stood in the mirror, slowly brushing her hair. She had recently changed it to brunette. It took time getting used to, but I enjoyed the change. Watching her scent a tingle throughout my body, 
I could have stood there watching her forever, but the time was short. I hope you're watching me because you are dressed and ready to go, Sarah said sternly but with a smile. I was watching her because she was glowing brighter than ever before. Her eyes returned to her reflection as she stood. I walked up behind her, wrapping my arms around her waist. It was amazing how her body fit so well in her black evening dress. Even though it was custom made for her and specifically for her condition, it was a thing of beauty. As you can see, I'm ready, I responded. However, the event had been planned every year since our victory over the aliens. It was to celebrate our continued existence, but lately it had become specific to my own activities. With Sarah and Lola's help, I wrote a novel to tell the story of my life. It was strange writing about something I could not fully remember, but it did not matter. It became an instant bestseller. That was to be one of the major topics of the event. While true I was reveling in my fame, I had something far more important on the horizon. That pause of yours, and that look. What's bothering you, David? Is it the color? I could change to the red one. No, it's not that. You look wonderful. I just kind of wish we could skip the whole thing. I mean, considering. Sarah pulled me around to her, kissing me. I must have kissed her a million times, but the sweet taste of her lips surprised me every time. She smiled as her eyes scanned up and down my body. She always loved my black and white tuxedo. I only wore it on that anniversary. It will still be three months before Chase is due. Lola said everything's okay with the baby. Why are you worried? I'm, I'm not worried. Honestly, I just don't want to do this anymore. Over the last year, Sarah and I had been trying to start a family. Even though we were both in perfect health, nothing we tried worked. It had gotten to the point that I asked to see Dr. Brunelli. Something was eating me up inside, and I felt that because of all that had happened to me and the changes in my body, I would not be able to give Sarah a child. Dr. Brunelli told me the same thing Lola did, to just have fun trying, and everything would work itself out. Four months later, Sarah was pregnant. I thought I could never feel as, as much joy as I did when Lola told us the news. Since then, I chose to sigh away from the spotlight, which in turn made the buzz grow. I knew besides my book, the main discussion would be about our child, and I did not want to share that with the world. When we discovered our child would be female, we agreed upon the name Chase. Sarah and I had felt that we had been chasing after our dreams all our lives, and Chase would continue the journey, running after her own. With a child on the way, I hoped we could put an end to the fanfare and settle down as a real family. We don't do this for ourselves, David. We lost over half the world's population. Billions were affected. We do this for those who are not here, and for those who gave their lives so we could have days like this. All I could do was hold her tighter. She was my everything, and I loved her. The sacrifice I had made was worth it to finally have peace. 
Because of all our sacrifices, the future was brighter for all children. My goal was to give Chase everything she could ever want and to never see her hurt or in pain. I fully understood what Sarah meant and dealing with the questions and photographers was a small inconvenience and price to pay compared to how many people had suffered. What would I do without you, Sarah? I may have the brawn, but you definitely have the brains. <laughs> well, Brainiac, we'll have to get that on tape. But we should go. The helicopter is waiting. As we walked out hand in hand, it occurred to me that I no longer thought about an uncertain future. It was not the money or the fame that made me content. It was truly feeling safe and loved. There was nothing that would take away that happiness. I promised myself I would never allow that. Less than 30 minutes later, as the helicopter made its descent towards the Unity building, I caught Sarah's attention and directed her view to a giant sign just below us. The Jonathan Kane building? Oh David, you had it renamed. Two weeks before the event, I received a call from the mayor of Meridian City. They were going to announce the renaming of the U Unity building to the Xavier building. I was about to graciously thank her for the kind gesture when I remember sitting down with Lola and she told me what had happened to Jonathan. She was so proud of him, but I could see the pain in her eyes. Lola missed him more than I could understand, and I knew that she would never love anyone like she loved him ever again. While it was true that Jonathan had been honored many times, I knew how important the unity building was to him. I just felt it was the right thing to do. I only told Lola a week before the event. She started crying and wanted to turn away. It felt good to make her happy. I would have done anything for her just as she had done so much for me. He deserved it, I responded. We owe him. Sarah nodded and rested her head on my shoulder as the helicopter landed. Anna and Angelica were waiting just outside on the platform. I was surprised not to see an media swarming around looking for a picture. As we exited and they approached us, I noticed another woman standing behind them, she was dressed in a GBI uniform. Is something wrong, Anna? David, this is Zoe Carmichael. She was sent here from the local Global Bureau of the Investigations Office. She needs to speak with you privately. I checked her out, and she has full clearance. There had always been security matters involving me since I had awakened. As with any person of importance, there were those who wished me harm. A cult known as the Damned believed humanity was supposed to be exterminated, that it was God's will. They looked upon me as their Satan, a possessed human was, who was sent to prolong everyone's suffering. There were others just as crazy. Beyond that, there were those who the Global Security Initiative could not track down. With the power I once possessed and the military background, there were still organizations out there who would have loved to have me alongside just normal anti-socialist types, having a member of the GBI need to speak with me was nothing abnormal. Is there a threat against his life? Sarah asked the woman bluntly. We just need to confirm something, 
Zoe replied. This will only take a moment. The woman turned and began to head towards the stairwell. As I began to follow her, I could feel Sarah had not let go of my arm. I turned to her and was surprised to see a look of fear in her eyes. There had been far worse news and even an actual attempt on my life, and Sarah had never looked the way she did at that moment. I'll come with you, Sarah said. We'll get this over with, and then we'll go meet the others. It's okay. You go with Anna and Angelica. This will only take a second. As she released my arm, I felt a chill rush through me. I brushed the feeling off and continued walking ahead, giving a quick nod to Anna that I would only be a moment. We had worked together so long, she knew what I needed without me saying a word. I knew Anna would see to Sarah's needs while I dealt with the GBI agent. I walked down the stairwell towards the security floor. I could not help think about how Sarah had responded. I did not want to just believe it was because of hormones or the pregnancy, but she had been much more emotional during the last six months. It was one of the reasons I did not want to attend the event. I pushed through the thoughts in my mind as we reached the security center. I was surprised of how empty it was, but figured most were at their stations throughout the building. Zoe scanned us through the security gate and led me to a small room. She scanned her keycard once again, unlocked the door, and motioned for me to enter. I could see a wall of monitors at the back of the room and a control panel just below it. I walked inside and approached one of the monitors, showing me a display of the lobby. Sarah and Anna were greeting the media. It made me feel better seeing her smile for the cameras. As I stepped closer, my foot struck something under the table. I looked down at my feet to see a man lying unconscious underneath. What the hell? I spun around to see Zoe closing the door behind me. She turned and looked directly at me. There was a look of concern in her eyes as if she was about to do something she did not want to. The shock in me quickly faded as I thought about her motive for bringing me there. A quick head turned back to the monitor showed Sarah was still safe and nothing appeared to be happening elsewhere. I turned back towards Zoe. I turned back towards Zoe, who stood there silently staring at me. Who are you? What do you want? I'm... I'm sorry, David. Her apology sounded sincere, but I did not know what she was apologizing for. She reached into her pocket and in a flash I felt a rush of energy overcome me. I charged towards Zoe, but with lightning speed, she stepped to my side. My body slammed against the door. Part of me wanted to rip it open and run, but something else inside me wanted to know what she was planning. My military training came back to me in an instant. I swung towards her face, not so much to hit her, but hoping she would back away. She was ready for that. With her right hand, she grabbed my wrist. I yelled out in pain and shock of how strong she was. My scream must have frightened her. She released my wrist and I fell to my knees. David, please! I'm not here to hurt you or your wife. I did not listen to her words. With all my strength, I leapt from the ground trying to tackle her. My hands and my body passed through hers as if she was a ghost. I hit the floor and began to shake. I could not comprehend what had just happened. I rolled onto my back to see her standing over me. She had a look on her face that was the same as before, as if she was conflicted on what she was planning to do. What are you? 
please. Forgive me, David. Zoe once again reached into her pocket and pulled out a small right crystal. My eyes widened and I recognized the design. It was the same that was used in Dr. Flagg's experiment. She leaned down, placing the crystal on my forehead. I could not move, even though I wanted to more than anything. The crystal began to glow a bright white. Zoe stood watching me. The look on her face, it was as if she was conducting a dangerous experiment, hoping for a positive outcome. I could feel the energy from the crystal as the steady glow changed to a pulsating light. The energy from the crystal was being absorbed by my body. For a moment, it felt as if its power was coursing through me. Everything became blurry. I believed I was going to lose consciousness when my vision began to clear, but something was different. Parts of the wall and ceiling were different than before. Where there were freshly painted walls and crystal clear glass, they had changed to charred, broken windows and decaying walls. As the crystal continued pulsating, everything around me began to change. A wave of fear came over me as I began to realize what I was witnessing. No, it can't, please no. Reality was changing again. I was being taken away from my wife and unborn daughter. The world appearing before me was the one from the very beginning. I was in the hollowed out remains of the Unity Building. I was being taken back to where everything had once began. It was not just the building changing around me. Zoe herself had changed as well. My mind was shutting down. I did not want to accept what I was seeing. It had been almost nine years without a vision or a dream. I had not seen her face since I had awakened. The pulsating light stopped. Zoe, or the woman that was Zoe, knelt down and took the crystal from my forehead. The woman who I thought was a GBI agent was nothing more than an illusion. I'm so sorry, David. But there was nothing else I could do. I had to save you. As my eyelids fell shut, I could see she was crying as she spoke those words. Clara was well aware of what she had done to me, what she had taken from me. I had lost everything and was once again left hollow. Somehow, as everything faded, I knew I would not die. Death could bring peace, and peace, at least for me, would never be allowed. Next week, Chapter 16